You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Well, I, uh, I came across a verse recently that has really been speaking to me, and I want to just begin by sharing it with you. It's uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples in the upper room on the eve of his crucifixion. He says, uh, John 16, 12, this. I still have many things to say to you, but you are not yet able to bear them. I still have many things to say to you, but you're not yet ready to bear them. I thought, wow, is that true about me? Does Jesus have many more things he wants to say to me, but I'm not yet ready? So what this says to me is two things. First of all, we're always growing, right? There's always another horizon of growth, increasing our capacity to bear all the beautiful things that Jesus wants to say to us. The other thing is that Jesus never stops speaking. He's going to keep talking to us. He's going to keep bidding for our attention. He's going to keep whispering in our ears. I've been thinking about that, particularly this week as we begin this new series. And today we talk about what does it mean to listen to God. Let me just back up and say a couple words about the series. It's called 101. It's about back to basics. And here's the thing. The early biographers of Jesus all say that whenever Jesus got close to someone, he tended to say two things, two words, follow me, right? Follow me. Well, I want to know what does that mean for a modern person? What does that mean for some of us who don't consider ourselves very religious, don't go to church regularly, and we're like, I don't even know what I think about the whole Jesus story to begin with, right? Or what does it mean to those of us who've been going to church for so long, it's almost become boring, right? This whole idea of following Jesus is almost irrelevant to modern life today. So we have a lot of questions about this. What does it mean to really, with integrity, authentically follow Jesus today? That's what I want to know. And so we're going back to the basics. We're going back to what I call 101, simple steps for following Jesus. If you boil it down, what's really at the heart of Christianity? That's this series. So if you've got, by the way, if you've got somebody who's struggling with some of these questions, I want to ask you to invite them to go ahead and bring them and join the conversation with us. We'll learn together. Uh, So today, the first step, place to begin is with listening to God. Because whatever this thing is, it begins with God and not with us. God's the one who speaks. He takes the initiative. We respond. Listen for another voice in your life. As we'll do each week with this series, we have two texts. We're going to start in the Gospels. So I want you to open up your Bible to John chapter 15, verse 16. If you didn't bring your own Bible, no problem. Please turn to page 878 of the black book in front of you. And actually, we're reading part of this verse, just the first sentence. So I'm going to see if I catch some of you reading the whole thing. You can do that quietly, but I want to ask you to read aloud with me. So if you're able, would you please stand? Uh, Let's uh, read John chapter 15. Verse 16, it's going to come quick. It's Jesus speaking again in the upper room. Here's what he says. You did not choose me, but I chose you. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Now, keep the book open. Okay, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 18. So turn way to the left. Um, 1 Samuel 3 is on page 215, I believe, of your pew Bible there. And let me read this. I would invite you just to follow along in the text, listen carefully. You may even want to close your eyes and take in this 
wonderful story. By the way, this is Jesus's Bible. When we look at the Old Testament, sometimes we go, oh, you know, yeah, it's the Old Testament. You know, like it's outdated or something. <laughs> I used to think that before I knew Jesus. No, it's actually, that was Jesus's Bible. And so we, we read this knowing it's God's word to us as well. Listen carefully. And when I'm done reading it now, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. I invite you, if you believe it, to say thanks be to God. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. Uh, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, meaning it's late at night, early morning. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, little boy, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am. And ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. He said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. He got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. From the day that I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, for I have told him that I am about to punish this house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and me of all that he told you, if you do not hide anything from me. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And then he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And this is the word of the Lord. Grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. How do we listen to God? Are we listening to God? So how, how, how exactly would you do that? If you want to listen to God, can we hear God? If you're like me, you say, you know, I, I don't know. Does God speak to modern people in the world today? I'm not sure that he does. And if he does, I'm not sure I'd be one of the ones to whom he'd speak, right? And he, the thing is, people in this day felt exactly the same way. The narrator, if you feel that way, the narrator understands that feeling. Notice how he begins the story in verse 1. He says, the word of the Lord was rare in those days, which means no one expected to hear anything from God at that time. They didn't expect it. 
And like, that's where the humor of the text comes from. If you, if you catch this, you know, this little boy gets up in the middle of the night and wakes up the old guy. You know, when you get to be old, uh, it gets hard to sleep, right? So he's like, I was just getting into the groove, and you woke me up, and you're back and forth. He goes, you're calling me. And he says, I'm not calling you. You're calling me. I'm not calling you. And, you, just, you know, and the, the reader starts to laugh a little bit because so you realize it's actually God who's calling him. Uh, but he doesn't expect it because he doesn't think God would speak to him. He doesn't, understand, he doesn't know the Lord, the text says. We feel that same way. I know uh, what it's like to hear something that I don't believe really is what it actually is. Let me explain that. One time I was uh, at a summer camp as a boy. Uh, this is a picture of me when I'm... A, this is little George. <laughs> See, he was really good looking. Uh, 11 years old. That's Orcas Island. And um, I grew up in the Bay Area, but my parents sent me away for the summer to uh, camp for four weeks. It was really long. I was super homesick. I look happy there, but someone's just put a cookie in my hand. Um, and, what, you know, if you want contact from home, it has to be letters. Back then, it was just like pen and ink, right? So you'd go rushing down to the cafeteria, hoping at lunchtime that there'd be a letter f- from mom and dad. And, you know, sometimes there was, but they had to explain to me, if you want to get a letter, you have to write a letter. Uh, and that was very complicated. Uh, so I, 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 lots of times I just wanted to hear from home, but I didn't, I didn't hear. Well, one day I'm sitting on a little beach below a bluff. I was um, making a little toy sailboat out of driftwood, whittling with a, a knife, and, and I heard something. I, I couldn't believe it actually was what I thought it was. Uh, there were lots of sounds. There was a lot of noise. There, there, I could hear kids on the dock giggling. Uh, I could hear birds up in the trees on the bluff over my head. I could hear the rippling of the waves. But I heard what I thought was a whistle. It was like this. Now, actually, that sound is the sound of our family whistle. I guess in case we got lost, our parents, this is pre-cell phone days, right? they had this, we had this family whistle, so uh, instead of calling, George, where are you? They would do the whistle, and I thought I heard that whistle, and I thought, that is creepy. They have birds up here that know the family whistle, you know? And, and I thought, wow, what kind of bird is that? And I went back to my thing, and uh, I was playing with the wood, and then I hear it again, and it's closer, and it's louder, and I think, that really sounds like someone from my family. And I thought, this is wish fulfillment. I've just like been lost so long from my parents at home, displaced, and I'm imagining that I'm hearing my family. and I'm delusional, you know. Uh, and I go back to my work. Then a third time I hear this whistle, but this time right over my head. And I'm, I'm clear, obviously, this is actually a human being who's whistling this whistle. And I whistle back. And I don't hear from a, a bird. I hear my mom and dad. They had come through the wood. They had surprised me. Basically, they showed up several days earlier. They hadn't told me or I hadn't absorbed it that they were going to come and visit. And uh, they were walking through the woods trying to find me, not knowing where I would be. It was free time. And they happened to be above me on the cliff. And when I uh, called out to them, they, I could see their faces over the bluff. They found the trail and came back around and gave me this huge hug. And I realized I'm home. You know, I thought, here the two people who love me most in the world came whistling for me in the woods to come and give me a hug. All I had to do was listen. And I wonder if it isn't a beautiful picture of what God wants to do for you and me today. God is a speaking God. Verse 4 tells us, Then the Lord called. The Lord articulated his love. For Samuel, this boy. 
And he does so not because he has a special mission for Samuel in the first instance. In the first instance, he does so, I want you to understand, because this is God's nature. God in his very being is an articulator of love, a speaker. God speaks. And of course, those of us who are believers believe that this book, there's something special about it. God has put his word in writing. And and yet, it's bigger than that. God speaks in all of creation. Remember the beginning of the book, God spoke the world into existence. Let there be, he says. It's all between quotation marks. And in Hebrews, it says he sustains the world and everything in it through his powerful word. Uh, The psalmist says the heavens declare uh, the glory of God day to day pours forth speech. The word of the Lord keeps coming again and again to various people throughout the, the Bible. Jesus is the word made flesh. He is the logos, the speech of God walking among us. And he says, my sheep will always hear my voice. And he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that God speaks. And so the earliest creed uh, in the biblical tradition The most important creed for Jewish believers today is what we call the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word for listen, listen up. Shema, hear, O Israel. Because God's a speaking God. He speaks to you constantly. I can say with assurance that one thing I know today, God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to speak to you. He has something to say. And the reason why God speaks to us is because God wants relationship with us. See, relationship requires communication. When I think about my marriage with Anne and my relationship with her, there are four words I never want to hear, but I have to admit to you, I do sometimes, and it's, but I told you. <laughs> oh, you oh, you did? Yeah, I told you. When did you, when, when did you tell me? And, and I realized, yeah, I was reading the newspaper, I was fiddling with my phone, and she did tell me. But I was like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And then I end up at the wrong field, you know, the next day. Or I come back from the grocery and I, you know, without the one thing that I needed to get. Because I was not really listening. It's interesting, I saw a study by a guy at University of Chicago just recently named Nick Epley. And he writes about Spouses, He says, we vastly overestimate our capacity to guess what our significant other is thinking. We think that we can guess on average above 80%. That's what we tell uh, researchers. But the evidence actually suggests we do only slightly better than chance. So we're almost random. So if that's true with people that you've spent years with or that you love dearly, that we don't really know what they're thinking, how much more true with an infinite God? You know, right? And we've attributed so much to God. We guess so often that, oh, yeah, we think we know kind of what he would say if he would speak to us. And that's how we kind of get into these things that we call ruts in life and kind of complacent with God and apathetic because we think we know, whether it's in our marriages or our relationship with God, what the other person is thinking. And God says, let me break through all of that because I have something unique to say. I have something surprising to say. I have something new to say. You couldn't bear it yesterday, but you're ready for it now. Will you listen? Because I want to have a relationship with you. I want a living, vital, daily, intimate relationship with you. God is a speaking God. And I want to encourage you today that you can hear God. You can hear God. Did you hear the words uh, that you read earlier when Jesus says, I chose you? It's not that you chose me. It's that I chose you. And I love that. And I hope you can hear the grace in that. 
we're in relationship with Jesus, not because we worked it all out and we answered all of our questions and we figured everything out and we said, okay, you know, I think maybe... I think maybe I'll believe in you. He goes, no, you know, the reason we're in this room right now, the reason we're having this conversation, the reason why we're in this room is because God chose us in Jesus Christ. I got you here today, he, he would say. I chose you. It's not about you. It's about me. See? And I decided that I'm going to speak to you. I want to speak to you. And you can hear me. We should never doubt God's ability or desire to speak to us. I noticed in this text, you know, he's speaking to a boy. Here's a boy who can hear him. And this old man. And by the way, he's on one hand the beginner, and on the other hand the sinner. Because Eli and his family have long since shut God out, stopped their ears. So, good news. For me, God can speak to the beginner and the sinner. And he can speak to you too. Just because he chooses to do so. Two things I notice, simple things in the story, um, is this. Look, here's Samuel's experience of God speaking to him. God speaks so clearly to him on the one hand that it sounds like he's in the next room. On the other hand, God speaks so familiarly to him, it sounds just like the ordinary things that he normally hears. Like God sounds like this old man, right? It's like just part of the normal circumstances of my life. God is articulating. So clearly, it's unmistakable, but so familiar, it sounds like it's the ordinary uh, it's the ordinary stuff of my regular life. And in that sense, it is sort of mistakable. And there's a tension there. And I want to say to you, I have never, I've been walking with Jesus for over three decades, and I have never heard God speak in an audible voice. Would, you say, wouldn't that be nice? I don't know. It might be terrifying, actually. Usually people fall face down on the ground when it happens. So I'm not sure I want that. Thank you very much. Um, but I've never had that. So I know people who say they have heard God speak to them in an audible voice. I just never have. But I can tell you of 30 uh, years that God has a way of getting through to me when I'm listening. No doubt about that now. And the same is true for you. Well, we say, we're modern people. I don't know if I even believe in God. I love this. Alvin Plantinga. Alvin Plantinga is, I think, the greatest philosopher alive today. He's an American. And he's written a book called Warranted Christian Belief. Warranted Christian Belief. And there's a section in there where he says, what do we do with the person who has read all the critiques of Christian faith? Freud, Marx, Nietzsche. Imagine a woman, she's read all that, and she's considered these objections to belief in God very carefully. She's thought it through. And yet, when she hears what uh, Plantinga calls the great things of the gospel, she finds all of that much more compelling. The love and beauty of Jesus, that God has this plan of salvation that's not just for the whole world, but for her too. She, she finds that really moves her. How is that possible? And Plantinga's answer, if I can simplify it grossly, is just that, well, if the great things of the gospel are true, then it's not hard to imagine that the creator of all time and space actually wanted to be able to communicate to those who bear his image, those he loves the very most, and so he built into them the capacity to hear him. And we go, oh, I don't know if I can really overcome the accidents of culture and, uh, and, and uh, biases and subjectivity. And that's probably true. We can't overcome those things, but God can. And God has built this radar, this antenna into you and me so that when he wants to communicate with you, he can activate it. Planner calls it, drawing on John Calvin, the sensus divinitatus, the sense of God. He says it's like a sixth sense. It's, a, it's an additional way to perceive reality, to know reality. It just directs, uh, it's like an antenna that just directly communicates with God. It's been damaged by sin and the fall, but the Holy Spirit repairs it, and Jesus reconnects us to the grid. Jesus connects us to a speaking God. 
You might think of this like a, the old switchboard operator. I'm not young. I'm not old enough to know that, even though you might think so. But like, uh, I've seen it in movies, right? Where there's like a woman who's got this thing and she unplugs this and plugs it. Oh, I'll put you through to that person. That's what Jesus is. He's just like switchboard operator because he's, he represents God, who is the sender of the signal, and he represents man, who's the receiver of the signal. He's fully God, fully man. He's the only one who can really build a bridge, a connection to God. Maybe a better illustration of this would be uh, the wireless adapter on your phone or computer. Have you ever gotten off a plane and forgotten that you were still on airplane mode and you find yourself like in a cafe or an airport lounge or something like that and you're going, Nuts, they have no Wi-Fi here. This is driving me crazy. It's 21st century. Who doesn't have Wi-Fi here? And then you realize, hey, I'm in airplane mode. <laughs> and so w- w- before you switch your phone on, you're in a room where there's a lot of communication, but you don't know it. You're in an information-rich environment. Right now, we're in someone's world, probably a dozen people, well, probably two dozen people's Wi-Fi networks, right? You look on your phone, you can see them all. And so there's all kinds of communication that's happening all around. It's penetrating your phone. It's going through your body right now. Information. But if we don't have an adapter that's switched on, it feels like silence. And in the same way, when you and I want to hear from God, if we don't have a connection to God, Jesus claims to be the connection to God. He claims to be God speaking in human flesh. The only reliable connection to God is in Jesus Christ. Flip that switch by saying yes to Jesus, and all of a sudden, boom, now I'm on the grid. Jesus has put me on the spiritual network. Okay, and there's communication happening. See? That's what Jesus does. But are you listening? Are you listening? There's a moment here that speaks to me of Jesus. And in verse 10, it's sort of surprising. I choked on it as I was translating this passage this week. It says, verse 10, Now the Lord came and stood there. And I thought, wait, the Lord came and stood there? That's really human language, right? Since when does the God of the Old Testament come and stand somewhere? It's not until Jesus comes that God is embodied. But this points us to the incarnation. This is the presence. This is is what we call anthropomorphic language, using the way we talk about human beings to talk about God. The Lord comes and is very physically, almost almost physically present to this boy. He came and stood there and spoke to him. That points us to Jesus Christ, who is in that upper room, standing there physically with these disciples, saying, I have more things to say to you than you can bear right now. I want to talk to you. I'm going to fill your life with as much communication as you can possibly bear. But you've got to listen. You've got to hear it. Are you listening? It's personal. He says, Samuel is the name. If he were today, he'd say, Leonard. You know, he'd say, Wanchon. He'd say, Land. He'd say, George. Trying to get through to you. Have you ever heard something that's changed your life? Think about it. Just do a little scan of your, your memory. Have you ever heard something that changed your life? Maybe it was a bit of news. Maybe it was some affirmation or criticism negatively. Maybe it was an intimate thing that someone said. Maybe it was a lecture you heard. Maybe a bit of a song. Oftentimes it's a song. And you go like, how does that work? That song changed my life. It was a drug addled Keith Richards. But he, you know, God somehow used that to bring some good into my life. I don't know how that works. You see, the way it works is that God is speaking through so many different channels through your life to your life. He's speaking through your life, to your life. Those who are listening, get it. I love the way, the way Paul articulated it. When he went to Greek row, I mean Athens, 
And he was speaking to the, he was speaking to the Greeks. And he says this in Acts chapter 17, verse 27. You might want to look at it later. This is what Paul says to pagans. He's saying, God's speaking to you. I can tell. He's saying to pagans. He goes, he goes, look, God has appointed the time and the place of your life so that you would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed he's not far from each one of us. He's, Paul's saying, he's, the one you're seeking is standing right beside you. You can't see it. But the whole purpose of your life, the whole purpose of your life is to grope if you need to grope, but to find him. He wants to be known by you. And he's saying this to pagans, to Greeks. Man, the circumstance, it's like he's, what he's saying is, God has set up all the dominoes in your life. And everything is ready. And there's that point where he like, it feels like he trips the dominoes and you go, oh my gosh, I see why I went through that. I see how God has been trying to get my attention. And now I'm just so glad. It makes it all worthwhile. That's what happens when we listen. One of the favorite things about being a Christian for me is helping other people listen. Just really quickly, two stories. Uh, in a coffee shop here in the U District not long ago, I met with a, po- a postdoc uh, this woman, she said, you know, it's kind of creepy. I've been, something's happened in my life. She said, I'm, I'm not a believer. I, 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 I don't think so. I, my sister's a believer. And I, I told her growing up, I could never believe like you. I just couldn't, she, everything was so simple and easy for her. And I you know, went to graduate school and I couldn't make sense of any of that stuff the way she did. But I got this weird thing going on. I'm just feeling like, uh, I'm feeling loved. And I haven't known what to do with it. So I've been visiting these churches. She she came here to your church here at UPC. She says, that's why she called me and said, can we meet for coffee and try to understand this? And I said, well, what do you think is happening? She goes, I don't know, but I just have this sense that someone wants me to know I'm loved. And I go, really? <laughs> in, that, in that same coffee shop, in that same day, the next person I met with was this, an undergraduate, this young man who had he'd been taking too much drugs and it kind of got the best of him. He had to drop out of uh, UW, but he's landed on his feet. He's taking community college classes, patching things back up with his parents. He's gotten involved with NA and the recovery groups telling him about this higher power. And he goes, that makes sense of an awful lot of stuff in my life. And I just feel like I'm, you know, uh, trying to get to know what's going on here. And I said, well, tell me, what do you think is going on here? And he said, I don't know. It's like someone's trying to get my attention, like someone's chasing me. And I go, really? And I love that. And like, that's what a Christian gets to do in somebody else's life. We help somebody else learn to listen. Okay, I'm running out of time here, but let me just, Eli helps Samuel learn to listen. Do you see that? He's at the end of his life. It's a little bit of a tragic life, but he, he wakes up to this moment that God is a speaking God. He's like, let me help you. Okay, go lie down and say, speak, Lord, for your servants listening. Because Eli knows that listening takes practice, and sometimes we need some help. And we have two things that help us. We have this book, and we have this community. This is, this is what we need to help each other. See, the book is kind of like, well, if I had heard voices from the cliff, and I thought it was my parents, but I really wasn't sure, how could I check it? I could have gone back to my tent, pulled out that trunk, and pulled out the letters that they had written. Because my parents would never contradict with their oral voices anything that they had written in the letters that they had sent me. And the same is true for God. When you're wondering, is that really God speaking or is that just the burrito I had for lunch? You go back to this book. Because God will never contradict what he says in this book when he's speaking to you in real time. And the other thing is this community. By the way, those of you who are parents, who is going to help your kids learn to listen to God if you don't? Is it going to be their school? Is it going to be their peers? Is it going to be their job or something? This is our job as parents uh, to teach our kids to learn 
to listen to God. And when you kneel at their bedside or when you put your hand on their head and say, Lord bless you and keep you, go out to the bus, uh, you are teaching them to listen to God. And not just biological parents. Notice that Eli calls uh, Samuel my son. They're not, they're not biologically related. He has adopted this boy. And we do the same thing here at UPC. We love to do that, to adopt other people's kids, other people's students. And we want to be spiritual parents and say, let me help you or will you help me? Let's learn together to listen to God. God does good things with people who listen. Verse 18, you know, there's some hard stuff that Eli has to hear when God speaks to him at this point in his life. But Eli is even willing to hear the hard stuff. He says, you know what? Tell me everything. And he says, you know what? After he hears, he goes, this is good. Because I know even in, when God is hard, when things are hard, God is ultimately good and he's bringing redemption out of judgment. And he does the same thing with us. He does good things for people who listen. If we don't listen to God, we don't listen to something that's bigger or greater than ourselves. Here's what's going to happen. And I think we're seeing this all over the place in our culture today. We will not have anything other to, to reflect in our lives or to resonate with than our own biases or the messages of the culture. We'll just be products of our culture, reflecting all that. And we see that that was true for Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's two sons, who, who you can read the story later. They're embezzlers. They're sexual predators and abusers. The contrast with that is always Hannah. This is the great story of King David. And it begins with a woman, actually, who's absolutely on the margin, who becomes a model of prayer and of resistance to the patriarchy of her culture. Why? Because she listens. We're moving from the era of the judges in which everyone does what's right in their own eyes to the era of kings in which a man like David arises who is a man after God's own heart. And the difference the writer of First Samuel wants to know it's listening. It's hearing God. And it's because Moses listens to God that he stands up against injustice. It's because David listens to God that he stands up against the violence of uh, Goliath. It's because Jonah listens to God that he stands up against his own racism. It's that the Samaritan woman listens to God. She's able to stand up to the sexism of the village that has marginalized her. It's because Paul listens to God that he's able to stand up just the slavery in Philemon. All these people are unaware at the time that God is using them in this amazing way. All they're doing is listening, but history will show they were hinges of history, and so could you and I be as we listen to God. That's what we're learning today, is to listen for another voice. That's the first step, just to be able to say, speak, Lord, for your servants listen. And that's what we're trying to do here at UPC we're trying to listen to God. We're a community of all different ages, young and old. We're a community of many different ethnicities, brown, black, and white. We're a community of many different political persuasions, right, left, everything that's in between. What we share in common is a desire to listen to God, to be able to reflect and resonate with the Word of God, together with other great churches here in Seattle, to be part of God's hinges of history as He does what He's doing today. I close with one little anecdote from one of your elders named Anna. She shared this story with uh, other elders recently. She had a real hard labor, 20 hours before her little daughter, daughter Katie, would come into the world. And it was a traumatic labor. It did not go well. So they had to whisk Katie away to the NICU, intensive care unit. And it was four hours before mom could see for the first time her own child. And they wheeled Anna into the intensive care unit and it was really hard, as you can imagine, a mother to see this. The 
Um, Katie had been intubated, and she was clearly crying. You could see her chest heaving, but you could not hear anything because of all the tubes down her throat. It broke a mother's heart. But Anna looked at her, and she said, Katie, it's mommy. It's mommy. As soon as she said that, the baby instantly calmed, turned her head to Anna, and opened her eyes. It was her mother's voice. For nine months, she had been learning the sound of that voice. And now, for the first time ever, she could see the mother's face. And Anna, reflecting on that and how much joy it brought her in this moment of recognition, thought about, I wonder what it's like to be God. How much God must delight when we hear his voice, when we recognize his voice and identify him as our Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this reminder that you speak to us, that we're not alone, that the universe is not silent, but that the one who made us and loves us and redeemed us, who's with us through the Holy Spirit, also speaks to us. So, Lord, we say together, help us to be a community uh, to learn how to listen, to help one another learn how to listen, to help our city learn how to listen. Uh, We say, speak, Lord, for your servants listen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.